Welcome to this edition of Free Speak, a podcast of the Namibia Media Trust, and I'm Gwen Lister. Everyone's heard of algorithms, but like me, you probably see them as this mysterious automated online thing that somehow influences what we see and how we see things online, especially in our social media feeds. Algorithms, it's been said, know more about us than we know about them. So with me to help us understand this phenomenon that seems to control our lives in all kinds of ways is Lorenz Matzat. The basic question always will be, are we allowing private companies to organize our societies or not? Lorenz is from Algorithm Watch, a non-profit research and advocacy organization based in Germany. Welcome, Lorenz. Algorithms, it's been said, know a lot more about us than we know about them. I have a dog, for example, with a heart problem. So I googled his condition a while back. And when I next went on YouTube, my feed was inundated with the most awful dog and other animal videos depicting cruelty and all kinds of things that I would ordinarily try to avoid. So right now I'm really nervous to go on YouTube. Uh, for fear of what horrible things await me. And obviously the algorithm is a lot more than just predicting what it thinks we want to see and hear online. So Lorenz, tell us a little bit about your work and what ordinary mortals like myself can do to be more aware of algorithms. And in a way, in the process, perhaps help us to define the word in a way that everybody can understand. Okay, thank you for having me. Well, our organization came into being in 2016 and we have the people working their history coming from journalism, from digital rights and we, we felt the need for the organization because um, we talked a lot about data in the last dec decade, I would say. We had this term big data, for example, but we didn't talk much about the software systems behind these data. The systems which collect the data, the systems which um, produce the data, and so this there came a, an idea that came from the US, which was called algorithmic accountability reporting, mm -hmm. which inspired us a lot. Which was basically about trying better to understand what what is happening to to our data, how these predictions are calculated, and what interests are behind this. Um, we do, for example, one project on um, labor in the sense of human resources. We have more and more automation going on in this field and not only um, when people apply for jobs that there is a software system sorting through the applications and try to, to find the, the right people. And the other one is about credit scoring. This is when you want to have, for example, alone by the bank or even if you at least in Germany where I'm from when you have you apply for um, an apartment mm -hmm. the landlord mm -hmm. asks for your credit score and this credit score is very obscure how it works and um, and a lot of people in Germany for example think these credit scoring is more or less something official but right. it's actually a private company behind it and okay. it's very old so the data collection is not only Facebook or Google there are a lot of institutions collecting data for about us for 50 or 100 years so 
a lot of administration is always about um, collecting data. That's where statistics coming from. Talking about algorithms, um, I would say or argue, for example, that an administration is an algorithm because you put information into it. It's right. an organic algorithm in the sense, right. but there are certain rules how to handle this information and then they are made decisions are made on it. For example, if you apply for um, a visa to travel some, somewhere. Yeah. So there's a process in place um, and certain rules apply and you get the visa or not. And basically every algorithm works like this. So w one plus one is two is a very basic algorithm, but it's a, we have the rule about how addition works and we apply it. So the mm -hmm. input can could be any number, mm -hmm. but we know how to, or the addition algorithm knows how to handle this. And we use algorithm as a kind of fill-in or stand-in for software systems. Yes. And you said it in, in your intro, um, the interesting thing about how today algorithms in the internet or in software systems are used normally to predict what are you going to do or what right. are you want to do mm -hmm. and so on the one hand side this is very um, it's still in your control because the, the decision is still on your side but the information you get presented to have you but to do your decision is controlled by the software systems Correct. Mm. or the thing we look into is how are these systems built by whom what are their interests? Mm -hmm. What they're trying to do with this? It's not about that this is all bad. There are a lot of sure. good systems, very helpful, right. more or less. Everybody uses the internet and it's very eye-opening. We have a lot of freedom in a sense to, to find information. We can use a lot of services which were totally expensive for only for an elite in 20 right. years ago. Right. But you can can be controlled and manipulated. So this algorithmic accountability is about better understand what's going on, who's behind it, and in the end, have people be accountable for it. Listen to Free Speak and give us your comments on the NMT's social media feeds. What you said earlier, Lorenz, perhaps I can touch on that again, and that is to go back to the uh, employment algorithm, I think you called it. I've read or I've heard that I think it was a place like Amazon suddenly discovered, or it was discovered, that somehow their employment algorithm was leading them to employ primarily white males. So this is a question, obviously something you look at, that some of these algorithms can have an inbuilt bias um, or can lead uh, you in directions which are obviously negative. Given your work in this area and, and the credit area, what do you do when you find out an algorithm is, for example, faulty or bad? Do you then go to the media? Do you turn to the journalists to expose this? Or do you work with the companies or corporations involved to try and put it right? In other words, how does your work approach activism in this regard? Do you make a fuss? Well, we, we have... Um let's say different layers in this. We have one pillar of our work is journalism, which is more or less independent from the rest of our organization because it has Ooh. to be 
able not to be leaded too much by our intent what our organization is to do so we we make a fuss but we often try to work together with media outlets because we are yeah. still a, we now a um, non-profit organization of about I think 14 people okay small um, but we grown we're quite grown in the last well we will grow about five p more people this year and have our first international branch in Switzerland which is not so oh. far from Germany well, but at yeah. least we have the, the second branch we try to go to policymakers and they we need some regulation okay. on this so mm -hmm. this is the more classical advocacy work probably right and we try to work together with other activists other non-profit organizations and try to yeah, raise awareness so this is more or less classical NGO work but maybe one word about this um, this bias this is the well, very important subject in this area and um, the story you told about the Amazon hiring algorithm is quite, let's say, famous in our field yeah. um, and it's a more or less typical story in this field. These algorithms, they normally learn from data, from statistics yeah. Yeah. and so this is history more or less and these statistics represent how society works, mm -hmm. so or this part of society. So if in the society there is a kind of like racism or sexism already in place exactly the data reproduces this and so a, yeah. a software system learning on this with so-called artificial intelligence which normally means machine learning which is a certain special branch of artificial intelligence and is not so intelligent at all right. it's very narrow ai is it called the other term for it very narrow-minded in oh. a sense it only can learn what is there so it reproduces this bias we have it where there are a lot of um, other examples on this one other very famous one is about a software system in place in the united states they're using in the justice systems this reproduces racism there it's is inherent racism anyway so it's in the data right and this software system reproduces it so and so to try to unbias it is very hard you know because mm. then you have to have certain ideas how society should function mm -hmm. and probably something else will happen with unintended consequences obviously a lot of the time with regard to this algorithm discussion we're looking at a lot of the negatives uh, the areas where i think again there's a nervousness out there that algorithms tend to erode at times our freedom of choice for example or it kind of supports our prejudices and our biases in some kind of way so we kind of see it as negative and we're a little bit nervous as well about it making inroads into our privacy and to make our own choices now i don't know if you have any strong feelings around that and how algorithms <coughs> resonate with human rights what what's the connection there and with democracy well, as I said before, I think the, the way how we today able to inform ourselves yeah. and um, and raise our voices it has never been before in yeah. history. The, every single one is able to go outside and right. can be read by right. anyone. So right. this is Positive. really, it's, it's a revolution, right. I would say. Right. And um, in the last month I thought a lot about what David Bowie said once in 99 about the internet it's an alien life form 
And I think this is the yes. best description of it because yes. we have more or less still no idea how to really cope with it, how to right. handle it because it's right. so powerful and and you see how governments try to handle it and they're more or less not able to, to regulate, for example, Facebook or on the other hand, Absolutely. you see journalism is more or less the former idea how journalism functions is, yeah. is gone, it's exactly. erased exactly. and nothing new has come in. Already. That's right. So, um, in the special case of so-called algorithms or artificial intelligence or machine learning systems, automated decision-making systems, there is a huge, let's say, hope that it will change a lot in health, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like predict or better predict if somebody is probably going or has a risk of cancer because he, you have um, an image recognition there, right. a, a lot of advance in the last few years, sure. so there we have some areas where these software systems are much better than humans to detect certain patterns and so So in health, there's... Um, Great advances in this but regard. on the other hand, of course, there's a lot about privacy. Right. If the big companies get access to the health data, and we have examples, I think, in mm -hmm. the UK, the NHS, the National Health Service, has a kind of deal with Google to give them the data on little, more or less every patient in, in UK. Um, this is a lot about privacy because health yep. and it can be a risk if, for example, the one you're working for learns exactly. about that you're going to build or the risk exactly. is high. Yeah. So this is a very problematic thing and it's about, a lot about data security and the question about who has access to your data, how to control this. So this all is more interconnected to questions about privacy, data, data security, data rights. One last Bad examples, it just came up a uh, few days ago. We had a, um, in the US a comp software company was paid by the pharmaceutical industry to promote opiate uh, oh, gosh. pharmacy. Yes. So they, they, and I think it was Bloomberg reported on it that more, several 10,000 doctors use this software. It was biased in the sense that um, prescribed Opiate and uh, obviously fueling the addiction, yeah. which is a huge and, crisis. And so, yeah. this is again about responsibility on the mm. side of people building the systems. I think that's very important. It seems to me, from from just having this discussion, that this is, and your type of organization, which, as you say, this you know of yourselves and a couple in the U.S., is something that will need to to increase in the future because we will need to be monitoring as you say there's some really good things but there's some also some bad ways in which uh, data can be manipulated and all these things can happen but you also touched on on journalism there Lorenz and I noticed that the Neiman lab has described the algorithmic beat as journalism's next frontier how do you see the algorithm both impacting the work of journalism in the future and also to what extent will journalism need to be covering the algorithmic beat. Well, we have this aspect that what news are today are more or less driven by what's going on in social media. Mm -hmm. Of course, Trump yes. is the best example. Yes. And our public spheres are now more and more digital. The reaction to the digital era is, is much too slow. And yeah. we, yes. at least in Germany, I can't speak too much about other countries. Yeah. We lost more or less, I would say, 10 years. In, in the industry in the sense that they 
In the beginning of 2000, for example, in Germany, there was a saying on the people working in the industry, they said, oh, the internet will go away again. On this was a belief in, in wow. the publisher sector. Yeah. And so they, they didn't invest in digital. This hindered more or less 10 years of inventions or at least development and trying to build, build ways to report on how digi the digital area affects societies. And, and my point would be to say, if a society is more and more affected or involved with software, and yeah. that's the case because yeah. most of us have computers in our pockets. Absolutely. And this changed, and 10 years ago there were more or less no computers yeah. in your pocket or very, very slow and bad computers or not really good ones. And there must be a journalism sector reporting on software sure. and, or how it works and not right. in the sense about IT developments but on the on the societal effects of software systems. And that, I think, is what our organization is about, at least. Want to understand algorithms? Stay tuned and listen to this podcast. If I can, can I just go back to my dog YouTube mm. story um, and just say to you, what, at the end of the day, what can you tell people about their choices? And uh, how do you change things? For example, when you look at your Googles and your Facebooks and your Twitters and so on, and YouTube as well. Um, Instagram is another one. People complain a lot about the Instagram algorithms. You know, it's kind of crazy. I know I've heard a lot of people complain about that. What is within our control? In a sense that what do I do now with this like avalanche of mm. animal cruelty videos that I'm receiving? Mm. What, what is within our control to change about that? Well, you as an individual, I would say you have not really much Any control. control. You have some, you could use, for example, some plugins about privacy okay. you can put into your browser, even on your mobile phone, you're okay. allowed to do this. There are several, um, then you can probably twist some of your preferences, like you say, you, you can purge your history of what you of what you've, okay. you're That's allowed to do. This. So the, the YouTube algorithm, for example, can forget in some way. Okay. Um, but okay. the thing about YouTube is, at least I think for some people and, and younger people, it's more or less now the new TV. And YouTube is interested, or Google, who, who owns YouTube, in um, earning money. So they want you to watch more and more yep. because they're displaying advertisement in this. Absolutely. And so this, this algorithm behind the recommendation, what to watch next, is some people called it uh, YouTube is a great rad radicalization machine. Mm. So we have, at least in Germany, I don't know how it is in a new country, for example, that we see a lot of right-winged and racist propaganda. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's coming up because it's often very, um, it's very easy to understand more or less. Sure. And the people behind doing this video more or less try to how or know how to game the algorithms yes. or what, what the algorithm more or less yes. likes. Yes. And the big problem about this is Google or YouTube is not really accountable on that. They are not opening up, even not for researchers or let's say governments, how it works. Yes. And our point would be we need access to this. The civil society and societies in whole, like 
we, when there's something forming the public opinion Absolutely. so Absolutely. much, there must be a kind of democratic control on this. And what we're going to do, we try to develop or we start a program this year about better understanding how the recommendations work. There has been some work on this, but the problem mm. is we don't know how the personalization aspect works exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. We have some ideas and we do another project about how Instagram's timeline is right. moderated. So right. And this is often we try to collect data, ask people to give, give us the data, we call it a data donation okay. um, and try to it on a, let's say very basic level try to reverse engineer how these systems work so exactly. we, we work together with software developers and statisticians and so on better get an idea yeah so basically at the bottom of what you do um, would I be correct if I said that really what your work is aimed at is really the greater good of society or, yeah well, well or we is that a bit too simplistic we, we use this slogan uh, for the many, not the few. We, we, we have software okay. systems and yeah. they're, they're not bad in the principle, but they should be structured and work so the many benefit and not right. only the few. Right. If you look at the unfolding of our political history and you look at the rise of the Donald Trumps of the world and they're more of his ilk, and then you look at things like his base in America, uh, as they call it, and you think that is to what extent is that right-wing uh, philosophy not only in the US but in other parts of the world being fueled really by their online presence and the fact that their own prejudices are being reinforced all the time mm. so that they don't have the opportunity to see opposite or more progressive views so in their, their conservatism becomes more deeply entrenched and in turn it entrenches I see people like Trump as an autocrat. So there is an impact on democracy, certainly in the, in the broader sense, right? Well, this is a discussion about so-called filter bubbles. Right. Um, there's, as far as I know, in the, the discussion in social science, if they really exist, because there are some studies showing that the internet enable people to have a broader view and mm -hmm. most people yes, get in touch so. with us in. but there's a small group which is really only sees a very um, certain area of information but I would argue this hasn't been this has always been the case because before the internet you had more or less you had one newspaper probably yeah. you had one radio station and one TV station so I would say this is not a new Phenomena, right? So, mm, but it affects every layer of our society, correct? And these layers, of course, interact with each other. We, we, what maybe the difference is, we now see more different opinions than before because yeah. before that we had more gatekeepers, correct? That's true. And in, in, the, true. in the public sphere, there was, was very controlled information about what you allowed to say, absolutely, and to know. And obviously there were much more views on society yeah. in the world, but we, yeah. we weren't able to, to see it or only had some studies. But Exactly. Um, so, and I think this is what the right-wing, the populists uh, understand better probably than progressive people. Correct. How to they tap use into it. that and to reinforce that. But we could have software systems in place which probably 
help to have a fair society, mm -hmm. I would say, mm -hmm. and help people to understand how things affect them. So this would be one way to counter disinformation, I would say. But again, and this I think is a problem, at least in, in Germany, where I have, of course, the most insight, we see that administrations and government has huge problems to develop software which really works. They go to private companies, mm -hmm. private companies know there's a lot of money into it mm -hmm. and um, when they start a project they don't stop to develop, uh, even if it goes wrong they get more right. and more money. Right. So the ins there's not really, they don't really need to do good software to get something, to get money from the co the government, I think this is one one vector we, we have to, to work on that um, our societies develop better software for the public good. And then we could probably, we don't need Facebooks or so. It's, it's, exactly. It's a private company, yeah. but we could have it in a kind of public, where the public sphere can be owned by the public. Just another question which I've heard, because obviously this is a conversation that a lot of people have about this privacy issue and the algorithm and where people in all of this and some people think okay if I don't have a cell phone and I don't have a, a laptop and I don't go online then the algorithm and all those strange and weird things out there on the internet can't touch me. Now that's not true right because again the algorithm impacts our lives in ways we're not even realizing that it does whether if I'm driving to work in the morning that even just the traffic lights there's some kind of algorithm that's working there, there are all kinds of ways, in, so you can never completely avoid it. There's also the issue about the distrust of things that are software, automated beings, and they're not, because you always need that human touch as well, don't you? So what is the, the also the match-up between this online world and people, i.e. artificial intelligence and real intelligence, if you want to call it that? Well, in a pessimistic view, I would say what what's developing right now is a society where only people who have money are can get humans handle their issues yeah. because humans are expensive, expensive. and software Ooh. is very cheap. Yeah, could be very cheap. Yeah. So this is a kind of dystopian development that we have mm -hmm. a new kind of class division. Right. right. Let's see it from a positive way topic of the century will be climate change of course absolutely so and it has a lot to do how we con how much we consume how we travel and the huge chances are that we now have these interconnections with the internet that we could organize society in another way so this is again what society have to decide on how they will organize their society and right. how they will make use of and accommodate computers the, and, exactly. And, um, but what we need is, of course, people have to be aware about uh, how does it work. The basic understanding on how the internet works is not really widespread. I would right. say. I would say we need, besides, like a, in school, more learning about more about climate change and how to to Mitigate. tackle that. We need more understanding and more people better educated in what digitalization does to you as an individual oh. and, and to society. So this must oh. come into schools and more in universities and so on. Yeah. Listen to Free Speak and give us your comments on the NMT's social media feeds.
Um, just in researching a little bit for our chat today, I was I noted that I think she's a mathematician, Kathy O'Neill, who describes algorithms as quote opinions buried in code unquote. The other thing she says in her book Weapons of Math Destruction: How Big Data Increases Inequality and Threatens Democracy, I found it interesting where she said with political messaging, as with most weapons for math destruction. The heart of the problem is always, almost always the objective. Change that objective from leeching off people to helping them, and a WMD is disarmed and can even become a force for good. The basic question always will be, are we allowing private companies to organize our societies or not? And, exactly. and that's what I think Casunier means. If exactly. The intention of the software design can be changed and if it's changed maybe away from maximizing profits mm -hmm. to maximizing social good whatever mm -hmm. this is mm -hmm. then it could have a positive effect a positive effect because also that's interesting that you say here in africa our tendency in the past has always been to fight the control of government mm -hmm. governments and as you know this has become a really negative aspect of of our online life here is how often certain African governments, but not only of course, further afield, are just shutting down the internet mm. using state security or internal security as the excuse really to silence people's voices, especially if they are dissenting. So that to us has always been the big risk. But what you're pointing out is also that big corporate, the dangers of the big corporate and the private sector uh, doing exactly the same thing in different ways. And as you say there, the intent being to maximize profit, probably rather than to control hearts and minds. So, uh, Lorenz, maybe just to end off, we sitting here in Namibia, in Africa, how do we, just to bring it back home here, because as you say, you're working in Germany, you're the only one of your kind there, um, there are possibly a few in the US, what should we in Africa be doing? What, how do we, you did mention earlier, yes, more awareness in schools, the issue of climate change, for example, and what we can do. We don't want to always appear to be helpless and hopeless recipients mm. of what happens in the Western world. How do we take this forward and put our own stamp on the kind of society and the kind of online world that we want? The so-called developing countries uh, have one advantage because they missed some things happen which happened in the developed world. Some of the bad so they things. They can leapfrog them. Okay. Um, what I saw is that, for example, or I think this is basic knowledge here, most people using only smartphones. They, they don't Correct. have laptops or, other, or right. desktop computers. It is uh, too expensive for us. And it's um, mainly mobile to technology overwhelming in Africa, yes. Yeah. And there's a lot of potential for empowerment in having this kind of ability to organize ourselves. You see it a little bit, I think you have some car sharing um, uh, app, which is not Uber here. Okay. And I could, there are always a lot of people, you, especially probably younger people now at universities or at school who have good ideas. Yep. And they are, have a good understanding, they're very bright and to, you have to identify them and develop probably a, a space where they can uh, develop ideas. Yep. Um, Innovation and yeah, sort of hubs. And, and, and just, yeah, a kind of hub and 
and work together with the government because often the government they have not so not the people in place who have ideas and they tend to buy the software products by big companies because right. they can lobby for it and have the money but if you say here we have a, we have ideas and which is much cheaper which probably will be open source which is owned more or less by the by oh. the society mm -hmm. so i would say yeah develop space for this absolutely and because there are people who want to work in this field and they have to work in a bank which is boring because yeah. there's n nothing else to do so the main message is that it's not so hard to to handle some basic tools to get insights out of data or how to understand mm -hmm. how the systems and and the processes behind them are working it's not it's not magic um, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist that's something even myself you feel slightly intimidated by the thought of all these algorithms and things and it seems like it's terribly mathematical and complex but um, obviously you're breaking it down and showing people there is a way so Lorenz thank you so much for joining we could talk for hours but we probably have to end it thank you so much Lorenz <laughs>